And let's get right into the message. This is a, a new series called Servant King. Um, it sort of reminds me about Jesus. What makes Jesus as the King of Kings so different from most kings that this world is used to? You see, most kings rule in such a way that they have everyone around them serving them. But Jesus was different. You see, this great king, he laid aside his rights to be served, and he came to serve the very ones that he created. His goal was to bring them back to God. And in Jesus' life of selfless service, he shows us what a noble and a true and a good king looks like. Today is a story from Luke's gospel. It's about a family. It's about Jesus' family. Well, when you think of family, when you think of your own family of origin, whether you were born into a family or perhaps you were adopted, last week we got to listen to an incredible speaker at my son's church in Orange County. Her name is Christine Kane. If you ever get a chance, look her up on YouTube and get one of her messages. She is in a, she's a gifted, amazing speaker right up there with Priscilla Shire. And uh, she ends up being an adopted child, didn't know it until she was 30 years old in the back uh, town of Sydney, Australia, in a poor, one of the poorest neighborhoods. Uh, family, what does that word bring to your mind when you think of family? Perhaps there's pleasant memories. Perhaps you remember laughter and fun together. Perhaps you remember this, these were your formative years where you learn to think and to do things and to develop certain skills and to um, have certain values. And hopefully your family was one of those that was supportive and loving and you, they had each other's backs. But perhaps also there's some of you, when you think of family, that the memories are not so pleasant. Some of the experiences might even be painful. You see, family are those people in our lives at least for a time that we were the closest to in our growing up years, living under the same roof. They knew us and we knew them. In fact, that's one reason why Jesus says a prophet is not without honor except in his own home or except in his own community. Why? Because they know you so well. They know the good and the bad and the ugly. They know all your faults and your weaknesses as well as your strengths. So this family is a story about Jesus. We're going to get right into it. it. It's only three verses today. You're going to expect a short message, and we'll leave the uh, reality in about 30 minutes to see what you think of that. So anyway, three verses here about Jesus and his family, and it says this. Now, Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. So Jesus is in the middle of his ministry, and he has hundreds of people around him. Look at, look at what Luke says. They, his mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. So many people gathered around to listen to, to hear Jesus, to be healed by him. And someone told him, Jesus, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you, right? Mark in his gospel tells us that Jesus had at least four brothers. They were, their names are James and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon. And two of the books in the New Testament were named after two of Jesus' half-brothers, James and Jude. In Matthew's gospel, there are even sisters who are mentioned. Jesus was the oldest, of course. He was born of the Virgin Mary. 
The other children would have been the biological, the natural children of Mary and Joseph, along with his uh, half-brothers and sisters. Joseph was not Jesus' biological father. That's why we have this doctrine called the incarnation, that God became a human being and was given birth by the Virgin Mary. So Jesus hears their request, and he responds to them. Okay, your mother and brothers are outside. They're wanting to see you. And Jesus replied this. He said, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Boom. It's almost like mic drop. My mother and brothers, my, my biological family's out there wanting to see me. My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Mark adds another layer in his gospel. He says, hey, Jesus, your mother and brothers are here to see you. And Jesus responds with a question. Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. And then he looked around and those seated in a circle around him. And he said, here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my mother and sister and mother. I'm my brother and sister and mother. Now, one thing I, I took out of Mark chapter 3, verse 35, is you notice that there are women there as part of Jesus' group of disciples because he mentions sisters too. So they were not just men, they were also women sitting at Jesus' feet, and that was a groundbreaking practice for rabbis in the first century. So, who are my mother and brothers and sisters? They are, who, they are the people who does God's will. They are the people who hear God's word and put it into practice. Now, when I first read that, I, maybe you, were, you would be wondering what I was wondering when I first read that, and that is, why would Jesus answer their question in this way. I mean, this was his own family. This was Jesus' own flesh and blood. I mean, doesn't the Bible say in Exodus as one of the Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you? I mean, being one of the Ten Commandments, if Jesus is not really dishonoring his mother here, then what is he doing? What does this mean? Well, when you come to a passage in the Bible that seems a little confusing or difficult to understand, here is one of the hermeneutical principles. Now, herme I just threw a big word at you. Hermeneutical principle is a way of interpreting the Bible. How do you interpret the Bible? So, like, for example, the, the New Testament interprets the Old Testament. You know, you know the Bible's divided into Old Testament and New Testament. Old Covenant, God and the children of Israel. New Covenant, God and whoever puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, whether they're Jew or Gentile. So the New Covenant supersedes the Old Covenant. The New Covenant interprets the Old Covenant. That's one hermeneutical principle. But here's another hermeneutical principle, a way to understand a Bible passage that seems difficult to comprehend, maybe even controversial. One of the best things you can do when you see one of these passages is to look in the rest of the Bible and try to see if there are other Bible passages that talk about the same subject matter. After all, the best interpreter of the Bible is the Bible itself. The best interpreter of the Bible, it's not me, it's not some commentary, it's not your favorite YouTube channel. The best interpreter of the Bible is the Bible itself. So there are other passages in Scripture that shed light on the story of Jesus' family coming to him. I mean, 
Why is Jesus prioritizing his time and attention on all these followers? Why, uh, when at least it appears Jesus isn't even willing to give the time of day to his own biological family? Well, when you look in the passage, especially in Mark chapter 3, you get a little clue as to what's going on in the context of that encounter. In Mark's gospel, uh, it says this, um, back in verses 20 and 21, it says uh, that Jesus' family was obviously misunderstanding his ministry. It says, then Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. Can you imagine being so busy in ministry that you don't even have time to stop and take a meal. And when Jesus' family heard about this, they went out to take charge of him, maybe even an, in a, if you think about a good motive for what they were trying to do, in a way to protect him, in a way to say, Jesus, you're, you're going to burn out fast doing life and ministry this way. We want to come help you. If you look at it in a, in a right motive. But it says, when his family heard this, they went out to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. He is out of his mind. Now, I've probably had a few times when my own family members have said that to me. Jim, you are out of your mind. <laughs> and, and sometimes they were probably correct. But in this case, Jesus' family really had a basic misunderstanding of who he was and what his mission was. Uh, this passage in Mark where Jesus' family is trying to take charge of him, saying he's out of his mind, this passage is followed by the religious leaders and their opinion of Jesus where Jesus is doing all this healing and he's casting out demons and the religious leaders say, well, we have an answer to that. Uh, the reason Jesus has all this spiritual power, the reason he can cast out demons is because Jesus is possessed by Beelzebub, by the prince of demons he's driving out demons. In other words, and, and talk about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which is what is mentioned right here in Mark's gospel, blasphemy insulting the Holy Spirit by claiming that the spiritual power that Jesus got for doing his ministry came from the devil and not from God? Wow. I mean, that's, that's about as insulting to God as you can get. We don't deny. They, here's what the religious leaders were saying. We don't deny that Jesus has spiritual power, but he gets his power from the devil, not from God. And so there's the context where 10 verses later, the camera returns to, here's Jesus' own mother and his brothers who arrive and are calling for him. And they're saying, we're looking for Jesus. We want to talk with him right now. And Jesus gives them a bold reply. And he says, where are my mothers and my sisters and my brothers? Where are, where are my own family? He says, my own family are they who hear God's word and put it into practice. So in a way, Jesus is actually reinterpreting what it means to be family in the, spirit, in the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus in Matthew's gospel in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first. In other words, prioritize the kingdom of God over everything else in your life. That's what you're to be going after. That's your number one priority. One commentary on this passage about Jesus' family coming to see him, they were pretty bold. I mean, I was like, I read it and I said, I got I to gotta highlight that because this is pretty stiff. It says, here's what they're saying regarding his family interrupting his ministry and trying to get them to, 
trying to get Jesus to stop. He says, if you try, if anyone tries to do anything to derail or to redirect Jesus' mission, well, that is as serious a sin as claiming that Jesus gets his healing power from Satan rather than from God. Wow. I mean, that's quite a stiff rebuke. Both Jesus' closest relations and the theological specialists, those Pharisees, religious leaders from Jerusalem, they, they both had mistaken ideas about who Jesus really is. They were both mistaken about Jesus in different ways. Now, John the Apostle, we get one more clue uh, as to the family dynamics of, around Jesus and his ministry. What did Jesus' family think about his ministry while he was in the middle of his ministry? In John's Gospel, chapter 7, we get, a, we get an insight. It says in chapter 7, verse 2 of John's Gospel, but when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, now this is James and Jude and Joseph and Simon, these four brothers, they said, leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. Now, if you read that without verse 5, it would be like saying, Jesus, it's time to go public. It's time to tell the world. It's time to tell the center of the Jewish religion who you really are. But look what happened right after in verse 5. What was their motive for sending him? It says, verse 5, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. For some reason, Jesus' true identity as Messiah, it wasn't known to his own brothers. It is interesting that except for Mary, his own family didn't even believe in him. At least they didn't believe in him until his death and his burial and his resurrection. Because we do know that eventually Jesus' family did come to believe in him. Because when you get to the book of Acts in chapter 1, remember after Jesus ascended into heaven and he said, go back to Jerusalem and wait on me. And they were in the upper room and they're all praying together. Look what it says in verse 14. They all joined together constantly in prayer. And who was among that group of 120? Along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In fact, Jesus' younger brother James became the leader of the Jerusalem church. 120 there, returning from the Mount of Olives, praying together, awaiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Finally, his own family became believers in him. But in this moment, in Luke, they did not fully believe in him. So here's Jesus' true identity. He adds a detail. Jesus explains. Jesus explains what it means to do God's will. My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. I wonder how many times people hear God's word. I mean, I believe the American church is famous for this. It's almost called, uh, I remember reading one book called Faith for Exiles, and the, the author made this comment. It says, I think in America, a lot of people are, quote, gospel inoculated. You know what I mean by that? Somebody who's gospel inocul inoculated. You have heard just enough of the gospel message. You've heard enough of the Christian faith proclaimed that you know what it says and maybe even mentally you acknowledge that it might be true, but it has no bearing really on how you live your life day to day. 
And so Jesus is saying, you want to know who my true family are? Not just the people who hear my words and let it go in one ear and out the other. Not the ones that let it land on the path, let the gospel seed land on the rocky soil. Not the ones who let the gospel message land in a soil that is going to be choked by weeds and thorns. No, my true family are going to be the people of the good soil, the ones who hear God's word and the ones who put it into practice. So he's highlighting the absolute imperative of hearing and responding to God's word. Um, Jesus is told they're, they're seeking him, uh, and he gives them this remark like, uh, only the ones that are going to hear and do God's word are really going to be in Jesus' family. Uh, right before this, in Luke 8, 18, Jesus says this about listening and trusting and obeying. He says, he says, therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Consider carefully how you listen to God's word, even today. Whether you're paying full attention, you're locked in, or you're watching us on Facebook Live or live stream, and we're glad you joined us, but are you fully paying attention to the message of the Word of God, or are you getting distracted? Are you thinking about other things, right? It says, consider carefully how you listen. The same words will have a different effect on different members of the audience, depending not on me, who's proclaiming the Word, depending on you and how you listen. Whoever has will be given more, Jesus says. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. Boy, that is a sobering reality. And then he says, who are my real true family, my mother and my brothers and my sisters? They are the ones that hear God's word and the ones who put it into practice. I think, of, think of hearing God's word and putting it into practice. Think of it like this analogy with the analogy of a muscle. A muscle that is exercised, what happens to a muscle that is exercised? It grows stronger. But what happens to a muscle that is unused? It grows weak and flabby from atrophy. And so in that analogy, if you want to know Jesus better, if you want to have an even greater impact for him in this world with the kingdom of God, then be sure that when you hear the teaching of Jesus, that, that you strive to understand what Jesus means by what he says, and that your mind is in agreement. I believe this teaching. I believe Jesus is the way, truth, and the life. I will follow his teachings. I will put his teachings into practice in my life. I'm not just going to be a hearer only. Because a hearer only is, is worthless to Jesus in the kingdom of God. I'm going to be a doer of the word of God. I'm going to do what Jesus calls me to do. And when I come to a life situation, I'm going to remember that whenever I come to a decision or faced with a relationship challenge, I'm going to try to conjure up in my memory, what did Jesus say about this situation? What did Jesus say or teach about this topic? And I'm going to apply Jesus' words to that situation right there in my life. You do that and you become, you increasingly a, a member of Jesus's true family. Whoever does God's will, Jesus says, is my brother and sister and mother. Well, friends, that is so important for us to remember. In a country where two-thirds of Americans claim, at least say, that they have some sort of Christian faith. And yet, of the 70% of Americans who claim some sort of religious faith, 
A quarter of them, now that we're 18 months into this pandemic, this global pandemic, and what are the, what's the reality? The reality is that one-fourth of those who claim the Christian faith, one-fourth of them are no longer going to any church at all. A quarter of them, not going to a church live like we are here, not even attending a church service online, like you could be watching us uh, from your screen at home. So a quarter of them just stopped going in the last 18 months. Uh, How is that? How... To me, the only answer I can think of is is somehow that walk with Jesus, the listening to his words and putting them into practice was just not happening in their lives on a daily basis. So we, we go back to that question, is our walk with Jesus, is it changing us? Are we getting to know Jesus better each week? Are we shining our light for him in good works? Are we actively on mission with Jesus? to rescue this world from sin and death. Those kinds of people, the kinds of people that are doing that, they're the ones who are sitting at Jesus' feet and saying, who are my brothers and my sister and my mother? Who's in the true family of God? They are they that hear God's word and they're putting it into practice. So friends, there's some important points to remember in a message like today. And they're they're not easy. I I don't claim this is an easy, feel-good message. But I'm saying if you want to be a true family member in God's family, then we've got to remember these kind of things. Number one, when Jesus is told his family is there to see him, he's not dishonoring his family. He's not basically turning his back on his own family. Rather, what Jesus is doing is redefining what his kingdom family looks like. He's elevating those who both hear and who obey his teaching. So Jesus knows that he's on this history-changing mission. And Jesus is not going to permit. You you remember that time when Peter came to Jesus? Um, Hey, who do people say that I am? Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says, ding, 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 right on the money, Peter. And you're going to have the keys to the kingdom of heaven and all this stuff. And uh, a few moments later, Jesus says, guys, I've got some bad news for you. I need to tell you that I'm going to Jerusalem Hey, so what? You've been to Jerusalem many times. We've been there with you. No, no. But the next time I'm going to Jerusalem, they're going to mistreat me and the religious leaders are going to arrest me and they're going to mock me and spit on me and they're going to crucify me and put me up on a Roman cross. But on the third day, I'll rise again. And do you remember Peter's reaction to that? No, Lord. May it never be that your life ends up dying on a cross. And Jesus turned to Peter and he said, Get behind me, Satan, because you don't have in mind the things of God. Right now, you only have in mind yourself and the things of men. Think about it from God's perspective. If Jesus, and I love this part too. You ask the question, what would have happened right there if Peter had his way? Never, Lord. You should never go to the cross. Peter would have gotten his way and Peter would have died in his sins because Jesus hadn't paid for his sins or yours or mine on the cross. So sometimes you ask God for a certain thing and God doesn't give it to you and you think, God, why are you depriving me? Because God has something so much better for you that you didn't know about in that moment. Peter was mistaken in the moment. Jesus' family right here who was trying to stop him from doing God's mission they were mistaken in that moment, and Jesus could not give in to them. 
Jesus had to live according to his priorities. And the mission of God right there was, was of paramount importance. It's like Pastor Mark Clark, and he says this when he, he says, you, you establish your priorities in life. I will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There's a, there's a, a priority in your life. Pastor Mark Clark says this as you go about your life day to day. He says, the chatter doesn't matter. The vision makes the decision. Let me say that one more time. The chatter doesn't matter. The vision makes the decision. It's a good way to go about making God-honoring decisions in your life. Number two, Jesus looked around at his followers and he considered them members of his own family. They were, they were as close to Jesus right then as his own family were in Nazareth. And friend, that's good news for people like me and you, because if we're following Jesus wholeheartedly like that, then we get to be included in those family members. That could be you and me. What a privilege, friends. What a privilege we have to be in God's family when we follow Jesus. And friends, sometimes those spiritual ties that we have, sometimes depending on our own family of origin, those spiritual ties we have with other people, like-minded people seeking first God and on mission with Jesus, those spiritual ties could be far closer to us than even our own blood ties. In a time when family members might mock or reject, make fun of, even persecute you for following Jesus, this teaching must have been a deep comfort. Think about those first century followers of Jesus, right? And how they felt when their own family members turned their backs on them. And they said, who is my true family? Those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Sometimes your spiritual family is closer to you than your own blood family. Number three, as close as Jesus' own family was to him, even they misunderstood his identity and mission. Sometimes, and, and here's the reality, friends. Sometimes your own family members do not understand the commitment that you have to follow Jesus. If you're seeking God's kingdom first and they don't understand it, you can't, you can't attend one of their family events because you're making God a priority. I, I remember my, my mom, she, got, she would get, she's totally past this now, but I remember in the early days, my mom would get so mad at us when she would invite us over to something on Sunday and we would say, Mom, we cannot attend that. Well, why not? Because we have church and we're going to church. And she would get frustrated over that. But we, at that point, we decided that we, we had to prioritize God's kingdom and, and our relationship to him first. And eventually she came around and understand. My mom's a vibrant Christ follower today. Keep walking with Jesus. Keep being on mission with him. And pray that the Lord will open the eyes of those who love you in their own way, but perhaps could be trying to sidetrack you from doing what God is calling you to do. And when you pray, just remember, only God, only God can provide that divine insight needed for a person to comprehend fully who Jesus is and what he means to us as we follow him. Number four, any attempt to derail Jesus from his mission is as serious a sin as any defaming him as, say, as Satan might do, right? When, when you're trying to derail somebody from following Christ, you are doing Satan's work. Don't do it. Don't be a part of it. And don't let somebody sidetrack you from following Jesus. 
derailing Jesus from his mission is a serious offense. Number five, Jesus explained that in our spiritual family, our relationships are ultimately more important and longer lasting. And I said this, longer lasting. If you think in light of eternity, who are going to be your friends and family for eternity? They're going to be the, your, the fellow followers of Jesus Christ. They could be longer lasting family members than even your own physical family. And number six, Jesus identified his true family as those who not only heard God's word, but those who hear and obey God's word. I hope I've made that pretty clear. I think I've driven it into the ground by now. So here's the question. You look at number six. There's two kinds of people that are mentioned there. There's the people that hear the God's word only and don't really let it change their lives, or there are those that hear God's word and put it into practice, and they're the ones that start being transformed into the likeness of Christ day by day, week by week, year by year. Which, which of these camps are you in? Which one of those two groups do, do you identify with the most, right? Whose camp are you in? Perhaps you're in a camp of, you know what, right now, I don't even know how I got here, how I got on this online thing. I'm listening, but right now I'm not that interested in learning about Jesus. I hope that's not you today. Number two, here's another camp you could be in. I'm, I'm okay with learning what Jesus had to say, but I'm, I am not ready to yield my life. You're talking about yielding, submitting my life to his lordship, his leadership. I'm not ready to do that yet. That's okay. Keep learning. Taste and see that the Lord is good, because I think you'll get there as long as you keep on wanting to learn and grow. And then number three, I respect how Jesus lived and what he said, and I want to follow in his way. I am ready to live under his leadership in my life. Maybe you're in the third camp. Here's the first step, the first step, no matter what camp you're in, the first step in following Jesus is this. Jesus' own words in John's gospel. He says, this is the work of God, to believe in the one he has sent. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. So friend, there's Jesus' promise. You believe that Jesus is the one whom God has sent if you look to the Son if you trust in him, Jesus will give you eternal life. And he says, he promises that he will raise you up at the last day. And he's got a pretty good trustworthy track record given the fact that he raised up himself from the grave and the tomb is empty on that first Easter Sunday. So friend, if you're listening today, if you're here, right here in the sanctuary or if you're listening online, I, really, I do not believe you are here by accident. Friend, you were created by Almighty God, the maker of heaven and earth. You were made by him to live in a right relationship with him, a personal relationship with God himself. And God made a way for us to be restored to a right relationship with him through his son, Jesus. He sent Jesus to us. It is Jesus who connects us to holy God by his grace through our faith. And it's only Jesus who can forgive us of our past, give us a brand new start today, and the one who can give us hope for the future. 
Every one of us, we need Jesus. He is the way back to God. As I said before, Jesus is the best way to live, and he's the only way to die. Now, having heard that, which camp are you in? Are you ready to turn to God? Are you ready to put your trust in Jesus? Because if you're ready to respond to God's call, when Jesus says, follow me, then I invite you to pray this prayer with me. And as we get ready to pray, I, I just want everybody to close your eyes. I'd like you to bow your heads together as we go in prayer to God. If you are uh, watching us online, I want you also to be in a posture of prayer as we go to God. See, prayer is, is our way of communicating with God. Prayer is just having a conversation with God, our Creator and our Redeemer. And friend, if you are ready to come back to God, then let's, let's pray together. Dear Jesus, today I recognize my need for you. Jesus, I ask that you would forgive me for all my sins and that you would give me a fresh start. Lord, give me hope for the future. I declare today that I will be your follower and I, I want you to be my savior and the leader of my life every single day of my life, starting right now. Thank you, Lord, for hearing my prayer. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.